0: Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Praise God. Uh, Before we get started, I do have a couple of uh, announcements, whatever they'll be classified as. In any case, uh, first thing is uh, I've been urgently instructed that I will not be receiving any texts, or phone calls while we're on vacation, and uh, <coughs> uh, emergencies, of course, uh, I'll stand by to take those if it's an emergency, uh, but if not, uh, please, uh, we have other ministers here, I pray that, uh, I'm not volunteering anyone, but uh, if Brother DeMuth, uh, if you would, if, if, uh, if it's a non-emergency issue, uh, please talk to Brother Demuth. He'll uh, he'll take care of that for you. Amen. <coughs> the other thing is uh, just a comment about uh, society in general is uh, you know rebellion, throwing off restraints. Um, it's rampant in our society. This idea that you can't tell me what to do. I'm my own boss. I'm my own man, own woman. And I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I decide. And that is is something that is not at all approved of in Scripture. In fact, quite the opposite. We are to submit ourselves to God, to God's authority in all things. And uh, the reason I bring this up is because I was late today, tonight, and I apologize for that. I uh, I was five minutes late, and I expected that when I came through the door that we'd be praying because uh, it's 6.30 prayer time. And... Uh, You may think that I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here, but I assure you that I'm not. I don't know if maybe you think I'm just really not taking that seriously or, or what the deal is. Um, maybe before I proceed any further, let me say this. Uh, this is going to sound bad. Please understand. The reason I'm mentioning this at all is not because I'm angry or upset or even disappointed. It's because I love you and I'm concerned. <clears throat> In any area of our lives, authority God's authority needs to be established. Every area of our lives needs to be submitted to the authority of God. And the only reason I'm bringing this up at all is because the duly elected pastor of this church instituted a time for prayer. 6.30, not 6.31, not 6.35, and certainly not 6.39, when everybody actually started praying. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because, well, frankly... I don't want to see any of us slip in any area of our lives into a state of rebellion. Because it happens very quickly and very easily. And uh, we're not always aware of it. And if it's happening in one area, it's a little area. It's a little area. But it's still an area. It's still an area. And as the people of God, I want us to be submitted to God in every area of our lives. I want us to be looking for, in my own life, I have, God has taught me a lot about authority. And a lot of it was because I would bump my head up against it. And so, I'm kind of speaking from experience when I say, don't do that. Not in any area. Please, for your sake. God blesses us when we submit ourselves to Him. If we take that lightly, if we just, well, you know, it's give or take, close enough, um, that's not the right attitude to have. When God tells us to do something, I'm not putting myself in the stead of God. Please understand. I'm not the Pope. Okay? But, I do carry a measure of His authority within this congregation. That's scriptural, that's biblical. And we all of us need to submit ourselves to God's authority. And so when I see someone crossing a line or not honoring a line in one area, it's not too hard to picture then that happening in other areas. And so, I speak, I, I speak with, with concern. What I want to see is this congregation blessed. What I want to see is this congregation used mightily of God. God is not able to use us the way He wants to if we have areas of our lives that we keep to ourselves. We, we remain autonomous in those areas. They've got to be submitted to God. Is that is that fair? Okay, okay. I love you guys so very much. And I want to see God move in and through you so desperately. And um, like I said, I know from personal experience that's not the right way to, to achieve that. So uh, in the future, I do take that seriously. That was set for a reason, not because I'm trying to establish my authority. There's nothing I can do to do that. It's God's authority. The reason that was set is because I feel very strongly about prayer and uh, having that period before service to get into the presence of God and to, to let Him refocus us to those things that he's wanting to do, especially on a Wednesday night. People are coming from work. People are coming from who knows what. they got a million things. All of you have a million things going on. And so that time of prayer on Wednesday is especially important in my eyes to get us focused on what God wants to do. So uh, in the future, I I, I do want us to respect that that half-hour prayer before every service. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Having said that, let's all stand. <coughs> we had a praise report last Sunday. Uh, Vicki Shepard's niece, Kelly, has been cleared of cervical cancer. It's completely gone. We've been praying for her. Uh, Brother McGinnis just told us last night in, in prayer that Kimberly, we've been praying for her. They, they've they taken several biopsies, and every one of them came back negative. So, amen. God's an awesome God, and prayer most assuredly works. It works. Amen. So let's go to Him in prayer this evening. Let's ask Him to come down and bless this service, bless this congregation to move mightily according to His will and according to your need here tonight. Amen. Lord Jesus. You are such an awesome God. You're a mighty King. You're a wondrous Savior. And we heap glory and honor unto You, Thou Most High God. Thank You, Jesus, for Your mercy and for Your grace. Thank You, Jesus, for Your manifest presence here tonight and for the words that You are about to deliver to us. I pray, Lord, as one body that we would seek to enter into the presence of God, that we would seek to touch You, to hear Your voice. Amen. To submit ourselves wholly and completely to You in all that You desire to do here tonight. Bless this service tonight, I pray, according to Your perfect will. And I pray, God, above all else, that Your great and mighty name would be lifted up, glorified, magnified in this place tonight. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We heap glory and honor unto You, Most High God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. He's an awesome God. And He is moving. It's not always by our timetable. I'm sorry, you can be seated. Thank you for standing. It's not always by our timetable. It's not always according to uh, how we see things happening or coming. But God has so many avenues open that we don't even see. So many options available to Him that, that we we can't consider, but he can and he does, and I love it most of all, when he comes in my blind side and just does something crazy and awesome that I wasn't expecting. That's amazing to me. Amen. Tonight we're going to be talking about a tale of two kingdoms, a tale of two kingdoms. Deuteronomy 3 and 21 says, And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. I know this is referring specifically to uh, the nation of Israel coming up against the Canaanites and everyone that the Lord brings them into contact with. But I want to expand on that for just a moment tonight. And say that those within the kingdom of God have a promise that God is going to submit every kingdom under our feet. that is not of God. Amen. Now, originally, originally, there was but one kingdom. There was no rebellion against God. God was God and everyone recognized that. God was the supreme ruler of everything, period. There were no challengers, there was no rebellion, there was no uh, dissatisfaction with anyone's position. Everyone knew their position, they knew their status, and everything was great. It was good. But at some point, pride and rebellion entered into the heart of Lucifer, and he removed himself from under the umbrella of God's authority. Lucifer convinced a third of the angels to join him in his rebellion, which was not successful, but they, in effect, became a kingdom unto themselves. Not anymore submitting themselves to the law of God, the authority of God, not recognizing his authority, they then became an authority unto themselves. And in our lives and in the lives of everyone that's born from Adam and Eve until the present moment, We come up smack against authority. Generally, authority is a good thing in our lives. Generally, it's good to recognize when someone has authority over me, and it's good to recognize when I have authority over others as well. Those are both important. Before we go any farther... I want to kind of talk about the kingdom of God versus church, okay? Now, the word church is used a lot in the New Testament. Its usage, uh, generally, in my opinion, I think can be used interchangeably with kingdom of God. Now, generally, okay? Sometimes, uh, in the New Testament, we, we find the church being used as uh, the church which is at Corinth, uh, the church in Thessalonica, the church which is in Jerusalem, etc., etc. That's not talking necessarily about the kingdom of God as a whole. That's talking about a, a specific congregation. Eventually, we find the term church being redefined. today, When we hear the word church, when we use the word church, it's generally for one of two reasons. It's used to refer to a specific congregation somewhere, or it's used to refer to a building that the congregation uses. I belong to such and such church. I go to such and such church on such and such a street. Our church needs updating. We need to build a new church to accommodate more people. That's a nice church you got there. I guess there could be a third one that I didn't think of till now. When we say let's have church, what does that mean? Well, that's not very biblical, <laughs> but we know what that means, right? Gonna have a good service, gonna have a good worship service, good preaching, good altar call. But these definitions, uh, they serve to move us away from the idea that we are part of a larger kingdom. It does. In fact, these definitions, they serve, uh, generally speaking, I think, to fragment, to separate us. And uh, it kind of leads us into an us-and-them mentality, or maybe even an us-versus-them mentality. Because God's not blessing my church He's blessing someone else's church, another church down the street, the the next city over. And that can get frustrating. Why isn't God blessing my church? Well, if He's blessing that church over there, He's blessing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is advancing. It's growing. And because of that, I can rejoice. I can rejoice. The kingdom of God is moving forward. When I think of it in those terms, we all serve the same king. We all belong to the same kingdom, or we don't. If we're a part of what we would refer to as the church, now there is a universal church. There is. There is one church that God came to establish. I don't know how many denominations there are today. I think there are hundreds of them. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about denominations. We're not talking about religions. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the church that God came to establish. Upon this rock I will build my church. Now, I believe and I I hope you understand this as well that uh, there will be non-UPCI members up in heaven. Okay. So, I think you follow the, the doctrine as laid out by the UPCI, which follows Scripture. I think you're going to make it just fine. <laughs> but there are other denominations, organizations, however you want to call it. Uh, that I believe are part of this church that God came to establish. And, sadly, there are also people within the UPCI, within those other organizations, that will not or are not presently a part of God's kingdom. So what is the kingdom? We've alluded to some of these things. We've talked about some of these things. We recognize that understanding what it's like to live in a kingdom is very difficult for us in the Western world to grasp. We are used to elected representatives, we're used to freedom, we're used to liberty. and um, those things, they just don't play the same way in a kingdom. A kingdom is very different. Than a government of elected representatives. It's fundamentally different. Not just a few uh, quirks, a few tweaks here and there. It's different from the ground up. A kingdom does not have an elected president, it does not have an elected uh, Congress, and the court systems are not appointed, at least not by the citizens. They're appointed by the king. The king is all of those things wrapped up into one. The king has absolute authority. The king is not allowed to be questioned. You cannot question the king. When he sits on the throne and he makes a decree, that is not to be questioned. Already, I can imagine there's a little bit of bristling going on right now. What do you mean I can't question? The king controls all the resources of the kingdom, including everything that you think you own. The king must provide for and protect the citizens of his kingdom. So we're starting to see that this kingdom is a little bit different than the United States of America, less and less every day, but uh, still different, at least on paper. A kingdom has citizens. Now the citizens are subject to the king. The citizens will do what the king commands, period, without question. You can question it, but that's what the gallows are for. The citizens will work and serve where the king places him. The citizen swears absolute and perfect allegiance to the king. The citizen must fight on the king's behalf, and the citizen must work to promote and to expand the kingdom. Now, what does that mean for us in a scriptural sense? The kingdom of God. What does that mean for us? We're talking about two kingdoms. There are two and only two kingdoms. There are two masters that we can swear our allegiance to, that we can submit ourselves to and you sir ma'am are not one of them everyone everyone ends up serving one of these two masters everyone ends up as citizens of one of these two kingdoms that's it that's all you got we okay so far Excellent. All right. (coughs) The kingdom has laws that detail rights and responsibilities. The citizens do have rights, they also have responsibilities. Now, thank God we belong to a kingdom whose king is perfectly just, perfectly righteous who has all knowledge, all information, all wisdom. He loves you with a perfect love. The rights that He affords citizens of His kingdom, they're numerous. They're exhaustive. But we do have responsibilities as well. We need to understand both. At some point, as mentioned, there was a schism. There was a break. There was a break between God and Lucifer. And from this point forward, uh, I'm probably going to shotgun a lot of these scriptures. So, uh, if you can keep up, fantastic. If not, I understand. Ezekiel 28, verses 11 through 18, states this, "...moreover the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created." Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, until iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. By the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Here we see the beginning of Lucifer's end. Iniquity was found in him. He became dissatisfied with his place in the kingdom of God. He was the number two guy. it has got to be number one. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 17, says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of his prisoners? So this this is the first rebellion. This is the first time that someone slid themselves out from under the umbrella of God's authority. We'll go back to this later, time permitting, to see the end of that choice. Thanks in no small part to the machinations of Satan, now Satan, there was a schism between God and man that took place in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 1, and 28 said, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave Adam dominion over the earth. He had dominion over all of it delegated by the Lord his God. Genesis 2, 15-17 says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden, to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We've talked about this ad nauseum. God gave man moral free agency. And to... To exercise that, they needed a choice. To be true, free moral agents, they needed a choice. So God gave them a choice. Don't eat the tree and continue to obey Me, or eat of the fruit of the tree and disobey. It's up to you. Genesis 3, 6 and 7 details the choice that they ended up making. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, which was altogether insufficient to cover their sin, their iniquity. So from this point forward, man decided to submit himself not to God, but to the enemy, to Satan. Bending the knee to Satan made him his slave. Understand that. All of us from this point forward are born into slavery. We're born into bondage. We're born into sin. That's how everyone comes into the world. As slaves of this individual. Matthew 4, 8-10 says this. Again, the devil taketh him up, speaking of Jesus, "...into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me." Jesus' response is very fascinating to me. What He didn't say is, well, that's an empty promise. You don't own them. He didn't say that. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written... Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. They were His to give. But Jesus was going to get them back a different way. Ephesians 2 and 2 says, Wherein in time past He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Understand that Satan has a kingdom, folks. He has a kingdom. He runs his kingdom quite a bit differently than the kingdom of God runs. Whereas God loves you and wants the very best for you, Satan hates you and seeks only to destroy you. If he can't destroy you, then he'll make you as miserable as he can until you do die. That's his goal. That's his plan for you. Sounds like a pretty good plan, right? But so many people choose that every single day. The kingdom of God. God rules over all earthly kingdoms. 2 Kings 19.15 says, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. 2 Chronicles 36.22-23 says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. Excuse me. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me. And he hath charged me to build him an house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. Jeremiah 1 and 10 says, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. God raises up kings and sets them down again. He has the affairs of this earth in the palm of His hand. That comforts me, church. That gives me a lot of peace at night. I'm not happy with what's going on out there presently, but it doesn't disturb me. It doesn't Cause me to be afraid. If anything, that's just going to bring Jesus back sooner. I want Jesus to come back. I want everyone to be pulled out of this world as as, as possible. But there's nothing here for me anymore. There's just nothing here. I want to go home. Amen. Psalm 22 and 28 says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He is the governor among the nations. Psalm 103, 19 says, The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Psalm 145 and 13 says, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and Thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Daniel, the book of Daniel, has an awful lot to say about kingdoms. Oh, my word. Daniel 4:17 says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. Daniel 4, 25 and 26 says, That they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee eat the grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High, Till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Amen. Amen. Daniel 5.26 says this is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. He's the judge of the nations. Verse 28 says, Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. He can give it to whomsoever he will. God's people are a part of his kingdom. We're the citizens of his kingdom. Exodus 19 and 6 says, ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we are kings and priests. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are not simply citizens, but we are baptized into His family. We are adopted by name, legally, into the kingdom of God, into His personal family. He becomes our Father. And we become His children, not just citizens, but children. Amen. God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Psalm 45 and 6 says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of Thy kingdom is a right scepter. Daniel chapter 2, verses 36 through 45 says, This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all as is his prerogative. Thou art this head of gold, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. The fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, forasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed With miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Verse 44 And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. There is coming a day, church, and it's coming real soon, that God's kingdom will finally be established here on earth, permanently, forever. Amen. Amen. Daniel 4.3 says, How great are His signs, how mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominions from generation to generation. Daniel 7 and 14 says, There was given Him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away, and His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Praise God. His kingdom lasts forever. His kingdom is not going away. When we sign up for this, it's permanent. It's not temporal. It's not transient. It's not, like it says in Hebrews 11, It's not a tabernacle, but it has a sewer foundation. It's not a tent that we're going to pick up and move. It's a home that's going to be there forever. There's war between the two kingdoms. Genesis 3 and 15 says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I know all of you know at this point that we are at war. We are most assuredly at war. We are at war. There's a war between these two kingdoms. It's not between flesh and blood. It's between these two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan. Now, please, I need to say this too. Because I'm talking about these two kingdoms, please don't think that they're in any way equal. They're not equal. And don't think that God and Satan are in any way comparable. They're not. Satan is a created being just like everything else in creation is. He's created, he's a spirit, he's intelligent, but he is not at all wise. He's smart, he's cunning in that he knows human nature, he knows the Word of God, he knows how to twist the Word of God to serve his ends. He knows how to picket you until you do what he wants you to do. He's stupid in the fact that he keeps playing right into God's hands every single time. Now, I can't fault him too much for that, because God's way up there and... Satan and everybody else is way down here when it comes to intellect. But everything Satan does plays right into God's hands. When Jesus was walking the earth, from that moment on, Satan sought to kill Him. He finally did. Yay! Wait. That's exactly what God wanted. That's why He came in the first place. So all those, Satan has all of these things. He's got this world. This is his world. The governments, the, the, the infrastructure, he controls that. He's the prince of the power of the air. But make no mistake, God is still on the throne. God is still in charge of the affairs of men. He's the one that sets up kings and he's the one that pulls them down. Now the kings have free will just like everyone else. They can choose to serve whoever they want to serve. But ultimately, God is always in charge. He's always in control. Don't think for one minute that there's any real contest out there. There's not. Daniel 10, 11-14. He said unto me, O Daniel, O man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. When he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood thee one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. There's a war in heaven. There's a war going on here on earth. And it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's not fought with bombs, guns, swords. It's fought with prayer, fasting. It's fought with worship. It's fought with submission to the will and plan of God, putting on the whole armor of God, using the weapons that He's given us spiritually to fight this war that we are entered into. (coughs) Excuse me. Revelation 11 and 5 says, "...the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever." Folks, no matter how weird it gets out there, no matter how crazy it appears and how fearful the world wants you to become, I'm telling you, we win in the end. We win this thing. If we endure to the end. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be a a, a cakewalk to the end. It's not. It most certainly will not be a cakewalk. It will be a fight. You're going to get hit. I expect you're going to give a few hits. Amen. It's war. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And we're going to enter into this millennial reign, this physical kingdom that Christ will come to establish here on earth. And we will rule and reign with Him forevermore. That's an awesome hope. That is an awesome hope. And I don't care how dark it gets down here, how difficult it gets, I do care to an extent, but as far as my salvation goes, it doesn't matter one whit. Not one bit. It doesn't matter. They can take everything away. They can... They can take our tax exemption away. They can take our building away. They can take my home away. They can do what they need to do. But I'm telling you, He's just got a little bit of time to do what He's going to do. And then it's all done. And then His fate is sealed. When we get into the New Testament, The kingdom of God now becomes the focus of Jesus and His disciples. Matthew 3 and 2 says, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 9.35 says Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Acts 1 and 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Acts 8 and 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, They were baptized, both men and women. Acts 19 and 8 says, He went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Acts 20 and 25 says, And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Acts 28 and 23, When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. Persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and of the prophets, from morning till evening. Acts 28 and 31 says, Preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding Him. Amen. So what ought we be preaching? The gospel of the kingdom. That's exactly right. Now, I thank God, and I, I can't be more serious about this. I thank God that I belong to an organization that preaches and teaches the kingdom of God. That preaches and teaches doctrine based out of Scripture. Not man's interpretation, not tradition, but Scripture. I thank God for that. If that ever changes, I'm going to have to revisit that. Because my allegiance is to the Word of God. As long as UPCI is, stays with that, I'm their guy. I mean that. Bishop. I mean that. I'm all in. But if they ever go a different direction than the Word of God, I'm not going to follow. I maintain allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Amen. And I hope you guys do the same. I go, I go hoo-hoo and start preaching... Hezekiah, chapter three, Second Opinions, chapter two. Uh, y'all need to do something about that guy, right? I hope I hope that's the case, because you guys need to be saved. And if this guy is, is, if he's off the rails, that's not good. Get someone back on the rails. And keep moving forward in God. Amen. We are a part of the Kingdom of God. And I am so thankful for that. I am a citizen of the Kingdom of God. I am a child of the King. And my allegiance is His. His will needs to become my will. What He wants done needs to be what I want done. I don't have a life anymore apart from Him. He's my everything. I'm sold out to Him. And I pray every day of my life that I'm able to live that out. Our King and His kingdom is our focus. We are here to advance His kingdom, not ours. Not a church organization, not a church building, not not this church body. We're here to advance the kingdom of God. That's why this church is so awesome in missions giving. Every time we come in, take a look at that board. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that you are supporting. That's the work of God. Going, we're not going. We're probably not going to see anybody that they're working with. They're not going to benefit this congregation at all. But they're building the kingdom of God, and they're they're out there working, according to their calling, because you sacrificed, you gave to send them. We're building the kingdom of God here in La Crosse County. We're building it. We're here to serve in the king's armies. Whatever position he assigns us, whatever place on on the field he puts us, that's where we are. And that's where we're going to fight. I've said this before. If you feel like God's transferring you somewhere else, moving you somewhere else, promoting you somewhere else, please come and speak with me. If God is doing that, we need to follow God. I personally would like all of you to stay right here. Thank you very much. But that's not my call to make. That's not my call. That's God's call. God died for you. God purchased you. You're His, not mine. I'll work with you. I'll work with you to discern the will of God, to confirm the will of God. And make sure that this is what God wants. And then let's get you moving. Let's get you going. Because again, we're building the kingdom of God. And I personally believe we send a bunch of people out from this congregation, God's going to bring a bunch of people into this congregation. That's just how God works. I've seen it. I've heard testimonies of it. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to send people out. Not at all. I want the will of God for all of you and this church. Amen. So we're here to serve in the King's armies. We're here to love, serve, and obey the King. He's the focus. God's not here to make me happy. God's not here to serve me. He does serve me. But I'm here to serve Him. I'm here to submit myself to Him to do whatever He wants me to do. And thank God He's given me a place in His kingdom. Thank God for that. I'm here to love, serve, and obey the King. We must swear our absolute allegiance to the King. It's got to be unwavering. And that kind of goes into this next point. We must never allow ourselves to doubt Him, mistrust Him, contradict Him, or disobey Him. When we get into a tough spot, when we get into a situation that is confusing to us. And you're going to be. You, I'm sure you have been. You're probably going to be again. You're confused. You're wondering what in the world's going on here. Go ahead and wonder what's going on. Go ahead and be confused. But don't, please, don't end up questioning God. Don't end up doubting God's goodness, His love for you. Don't do that. Please. He loves you. And if you're in a spot, it's because He put you there and He put you there for a reason. Trust Him. Continue to trust Him. Continue to walk the path He's chosen for you. I promise you, it's going to end up great. It's going to end up wonderful. But I can't begin to doubt Him in the dark periods. I can't begin to mistrust Him when things are getting a little bit tough for me. My allegiance is sworn to the King. And it's going to stay there. We must strive to live up to the responsibilities of the kingdom while at the same time rejoicing in all the privileges that we as citizens of the kingdom of God continually enjoy. We have responsibilities and we have privileges. And we need to to be aware of them both. We need to accomplish the responsibilities and we need to exercise the privileges. We need to do both. Typically, the more privileges one receives, the more responsibility you have in return. That's how this world works. If I have a measure of authority, it's, it should be just enough authority to discharge my responsibilities. That's all the authority we need, is to discharge our responsibilities. Any more than that, that's just tempting fate. We don't need any more than that. God gives us the authority that we need to discharge our responsibilities. As we've said before, we have an amazing, mind-blowing amount of spiritual authority. We may not have much authority in this world, but spiritually, spiritually you carry the delegated authority of Jesus Christ Himself. What does Jesus have the authority to do in the Spirit? Can He heal the sick? Can He cast out demons? Can He raise the dead? Can He unstop deaf ears? And so can you, in God, through Jesus. Jesus, so can you. When the enemy comes against you, please remember that. You have authority. You have commission to fight. You have all the weapons that you need to win. And God has given you direct authority over this enemy. Use it. Exercise it. Psalm 33.12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. That's you. That's me. We're the people He's chosen. He looks at us as His inheritance. Something precious. Something He loves. Something He looks forward to. Psalm 146.5 says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And Psalm 144.15 in closing, Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Let's all stand. There are two kingdoms to choose. We're all of us born into one. But thank God we don't have to remain there. Jesus came, suffered on a cross, and died in our place so that we would have a choice. We could choose to serve Jesus now. We could choose to transfer from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. I did that several years ago. I've not once regretted it. Not once. And the more I walk with Him, and the more I get to know Him, the more I love Him, and the more I want to serve Him and please Him with my life. I'm looking forward to that day when I see Him not through a glass darkly, but face to face. I can't wait to see Him. I can't wait to speak with Him. The God that died for me. Jesus, I am so thankful for You. So thankful for Your so great salvation. Thank You, God, that although there are these two kingdoms in place, and I was born into the One, You made it possible to switch ownership, to transfer citizenship, From the kingdom of Satan over to the kingdom of God. I know there are reasons that people choose the kingdom of Satan, but there are reasons that I can't understand. I pray, O God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would help us to reach those with these truths. That you would clear away their blinders, clear away the, the veil from off of their hearts, their eyes, that they would see in stark reality truth as it really is. I pray, Lord, bless the people of God. Undergird them with strength, encourage them today in the Lord their God. Walk with them, minister unto them their every need. Bring us back at the day appointed, and these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your kind attention. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, Again, we are gone on Friday. We're leaving early Friday morning. Uh, Please contact Brother DeMuth if you have any, any needs, anything that you need to take care of.